about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. Marcus Freeman has done it again. And the fact that you don't know which specific thing I'm referring to, because it could be multiple, is just a sign for how good this hire has been. Welcome to the Four Horsemen Podcast. I'm Dylan, joined as ever by Steve. Today we've got for you guys National Signing Day. This is an all-things recruitment podcast. Steve has been licking his lips for months waiting to get into this. We wanted to do the early period, but that was during the bowl season. So we're doing it now, but before we get into it, you know, I want to recap things that have happened in, in recent weeks since we've last recorded. So, Steve, I'm going to pitch this over to you now. How impressed have you been by Marcus Freeman? Electric. I mean, the guy is just absolutely electric so far. Uh, he's come in like a bat out of hell, and everything that I could have even imagined, he's doubled in, in nature and in stature. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's just a giant walking around that campus right now. So I, I not enough words to like, I, I knew it was really, really good at the time. And then when we had our episode detailing the statistics and, and going through like his um, basically the name that he's built for himself on the field. And then in, in uh, on the recruiting trail, you know, expectations were high and then he just blew them all away. I mean, he's just been fantastic. So I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm happier than a pig in crap. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. He hasn't coached a down for us yet, and he might already be everyone's favorite to replace Coach Kelly whenever that time comes. I think that just is a lot to his character. But let's get right into what he has done, because at the beginning, I could have referred to many things. First and foremost, we talked about this on our last podcast, Houston Griffiths has taken his name out of the transfer portal. We gave it a 60-40 split of probability, and that's turned out to be correct. Uh, Marcus Freeman seems to have done a great job there. It looks like they didn't guarantee any playing time or anything, but I think just having the coach, the previous coach, Terry Joseph, the secondary coach out, bringing Marcus Freeman in, being a little more committed to Griffith at a certain position as well, I think did a lot of help. Next up, the biggest thing that we were talking about a lot too, the 2022 defensive end Tyson Ford, top 100 player in the country was trending Oklahoma all month. All the picks were going in for the Sooners because his decision date was coming up early. And uh, as soon as Freeman gets in there, within a week, everything is just like an avalanche for Notre Dame. And he picks the Irish. He's coming to Notre Dame. Just yesterday, Notre Dame had received the commitment of Aiden Gabara. Um, he was... Gabriel. I'm not really great with names, Steve. That's your kind of area of expertise. Um but but that's a I Penn would say State lean. Gabaria. Gabaria. Okay, so this is a Penn State lean, uh, three-star defensive end to play more of the weak side. Um, that has happened already too. On top of that, I'd love to talk about the USC linebacker, another consensus top 100 player. I'm not even going to try to butcher the name um, from California, but Polynesian. Notre Dame offers him. Marcus Freeman gives him an offer. 
And within 24 hours, he decommits from Southern Cal. I think Notre Dame is probably a lock to win that race now. That's another top 100 player in the 22 class. Marcus Freeman, on top of all this, has been dishing out offers to every top defensive back and linebacker you can think of in the country. It has been electric. He has blown everybody away. And I've never been this excited for Notre Dame's future. Yeah, it's uh, and as we're going to detail throughout the the course of the the podcast today is um, this has been this has been on the rise. This has been something that we've been building towards for for quite some time. We've said it once. We've said it a million times. You know, it, it always felt like we felt sh- we fell short in one aspect of the game, whether it was the trenches, the skill positions, special teams, QB, whatever that may be. There was always one thing kind of lacking. Over the past couple of years, we've really been just building and building and building and collecting talent and developing talent. And now with the uh, with the advent of of uh, <clears throat> of of Marcus Freeman and what he's bringing to the table and the the names that we are getting into the living room of, all of it is just outrageously exciting. So. It's like nobody has told Marcus Freeman it's supposed to be hard to recruit at Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like everyone that we're traditionally basically automatically out on and, and we just have to settle for scraps, quote unquote. Not that our – everyone knows I'm not like saying it in, in a pejorative term. Um, but yeah, he just come, comes in. He's just like, oh, no, I want that guy, so I'm just going to go recruit him. And, and yep. in the past, that just hasn't worked, and now it just is. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. He, he, he seems to just – completely reshape the narrative around Notre Dame football of, you know, you know, and we were talking about this earlier. Coach Elston said only less than half of the recruits in, in the top 100 we can recruit. And you, and you have that mindset and you have the, the standards and you have on top of that, you got to pitch Notre Dame to people, which isn't always attractive. Marcus Freeman doesn't seem to care. And I don't know this at all, but it seems like Marcus Freeman is the type of guy to go fight admissions for a player like Lou Holtz used to do. I, I could totally see that happening in the next little while because he wants his guys. And something that blew me away in his press conference or media availability, he pointed out that talent matters more than scheme. He said, it is my job to get the best players out there, put them on the field, and I have to figure out how to work. And to me, that is just preaching to the choir that's how long have we wanted that in not just football but in, in kind of all sports and all areas of life right you just want the best and you figure it out from there in terms of stylistic defense he said the names are going to pretty much stay the same rover position is is still in at notre dame the viper which for you guys who don't know that is the defensive end who plays the drop back a lot so about 15 percent of the snaps are in coverage that was dalen hayes it was okoro the year before um that's staying um, the buck term is going to be the will, but for the most part, it is going to be a very similar looking defense. And it's the mindset of just get the 11 best players out there and I'm going to make it work that that has me in love with them. Yeah, yep, exactly. Talent over uh, scheme, um, not to brag. And this is uh, kind of an aside. I, I'm pretty sure I single-handedly brought back the NCAA football for by EA Sports like that. I'm pretty sure I did that. And while I was building my 60-year dynasty that I just finished, um, I switched between the 3-4, which is my preferred defense, 
the four three. Uh, I went to a four two five stack, and then I, I, you know, just depending on on the team, the program, and the talent, you know, you, you kind of just adjust. If four, four defensive linemen, three defensive linemen, do you want to have an, an extra corner and and be like a three three five, kind of like what Notre Dame has now, uh, or they're more of a, a four two five. But it, yeah, so it, it's all about just adjusting. Um, there's no. You you play with the talent that you have. When you're in the NFL, it's a lot easier to stay pat with your particular system. Go out and get your guys, uh, whether it be trades, free agency, or whatever, or or the draft. But when it comes to you know plucking guys out of high school, it's more so just get the the most talented person you can possibly get onto that field, and then you'll just make it work. And that's what Marcus is is aiming for. He's saying all the right things to tickle me in all the right places. You know, speaking of draft that you kind of mentioned there, how good was our boys at the Senior Bowl? Great, yeah, and um, the, the, especially the offensive line prospects and even the defensive line. I mean, uh, yep. Dalen, Dalen Hayes. I mean, he looked like he was like pushing guys All into over their. The place. Yeah, so exactly. He, they, he was just moving bodies. Our, our other defensive end, Addy, was um, one commentator said he thinks he could be a late first round pick. I think that's very ambitious, but that's the type of performance he put out there as well. I, to me, Dalen Hayes was dominating the the social media, mm-hmm. but our offensive line guys held well as uh, too, right? I mean, Aaron Banks was fantastic, um, and that's just great to see. Ian Book seemed to have a very strong outing as well. Um, for the most part, he was kind of among the better quarterbacks, which is huge. I think he's a guy that is going to get drafted. Um, so, and, and that's kind of the end cycle of Notre Dame, right? What we're doing today is the beginning, the recruitment, and it ends with the senior bowl and the draft. So now that we've come full circle, you know, our guys are going to be drafted. They had a great performance, and they always seem to at Notre Dame. Now that we've got Marcus Freeman's hype out of the way and what he's been doing, you know, let's get into what, this whole podcast is dedicated to and it's recruitment and um, I'm excited. We signed the ninth class in the country per 24 seven composite rankings. Um, I think we all agree it is much better than that. Um, It seems to always be right. Notre Dame um, seems to be signing classes between 10 and 15 and then ending polls between five and 10. Oh, Dylan, this is something I I don't know if you want me to get into it now, but in doing a little bit of research and kind of going back, I'm extraordinarily pissed off right now at this moment in regards to how 247 composite or or just all of the rankings because composite for, from 247 encompasses everything like rivals, max reps, uh, ESPN, everything. So, uh, but basically, it just feels like every time we get a top tier talent guy to commit. <laughs> it just instantly drops in the rankings. If you want me to continue to go on a rant, I'll go for it. If you wanted to finish your thought, it's, it, you choose your own adventure here. Go for it, King. You, you, okay. You've got something boiling here. All right. Uh, now, the, in 2019, we, uh, we signed zero five-star prospects. Did you know that? Yep. Do you know who else we signed in the year 2019? Kyle Hamilton. Do you is Kyle Hamilton good at football? Extremely good at football. <laughs> okay, so Kyle Hamilton uh, was a three star, um, basically no name out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, Notre Dame fights signs him. He at one point got up to a five star ranking, and basically as soon as he signed with Notre Dame, he that five star ranking mysteriously goes away. 
Yeah. <laughs> and nowadays, um, we're we're you know heading into his now true junior season three years later. He is going to be arguably a top 15 overall pick in the NFL. This is absolutely his last year on campus, so everybody enjoy it. He is the best corner, the best safety in college football. He is absolutely incredible. Kyle Hamilton was a five-star prospect every step of the way. Anyone who thinks differently, I will beat the crap out of you. Now that goes (laughs) (laughs) to 2020. Year 2020, we officially had one five-star commit. And that was tight end Michael Mayer. We also signed Jordan Johnson and Chris Tyree, both who prior to committing to Notre Dame were five-star athletes. And then they signed with Notre Dame, and all of a sudden they mysteriously dropped down to a four-star again. Can I can I add on top of this? Yeah. So 2020 is the weirdest year because when you're looking at 24-7 composite rankings, the way it, it tends to go is if you're a 98 and above, you're a five-star. If you're mm-hmm. an 89 to less than a 98, you're a four-star. And anything below an 89 is a three-star. This is the only year I've seen for a Notre Dame recruit, in this case Jordan Johnson, who is over 98. He's 98-2-2 is his composite score, and mm-hmm. he's a four-star. I have not seen that it's in insane. any other prospect because if you're 98, you're genuinely a five-star. That's just kind of the rule of thumb, except for Jordan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's it's just insane. So uh, so Jordan Johnson and Chris Tyree just get plucked away from their five-star status uh, and as soon as they sign with Notre Dame. And then this past year, we had Tyler Buckner, who um, he was a five-star when he originally committed. And then he didn't have the greatest Elite 11, which is basically what everyone says. I don't even know what that means. It's like he had a QB camp where, you know, among 11 other guys, he probably – maybe he wasn't the best one out there. Okay. Like – That seems like such a soft thing to decrease exactly. someone's ratings like, for. I'd rather see how you perform in a game than in a camp. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we've seen the highlight reels. You tweeted out the stats. You tweeted out specifically a YouTube clip from our podcast account, which we're going to cover a little more later about some changes to that account. But, I mean, the kid is a certified baller. He had like 50 touchdowns and six interceptions. Like, he's insane. And then, I mean, Blake Fisher, you could make a, an argument. I mean, he's a 0.973. At a 0.971, you have Rocco Spindler. So, I guess those guys are kind of those tweeners that might, mm-hmm. you know, that might get up to a, a five star, might not. I I would probably say Blake Fisher would be because given the, the you know every camp that he's been in, he's just been mauling people. It just feels like we just get absolutely no respect every step of the way. Um, and oh oh, here's here's three guys from 2017. If we wanted to go all the way back uh, to five, what five years ago now, uh, now these are three guys. None of them were, were ranked as five star athletes. Okay, Cole Komet, Robert Hainsey, Aaron Banks. Where where are they all going to be playing? Where are they all going to be playing? In the NFL, all of them are going to be possibly top all out. for the Chicago Bears too. <laughs> Legitimately, <laughs> it's just like, I mean, what the hell do we have to do? It's just, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know if it's a conspiracy, it's but it is weird that it happens to us often. Blake Fisher is a five-star on Rivals, but again, with 24 composite, it is an aggregation of all of them. So on aggregate, he just falls outside that ranking. Um, it's weird. It is weird. But, you know, that doesn't mean anything, right? Whether you get the four or the five, it doesn't really. You're within a range of extreme athleticism that... 
I think a better metric is just top 100. How many top 100 guys do you have? Because a lot of guys moved down, especially with COVID, right? That's what happened to Tyler Buckner, too. It was mm-hmm. the Elite 11, but it was also California didn't play football this last fall. So Tyler Buckner just kind of – it's not that he – dropped it's just that people were getting in ahead of him because they were playing and that put him down to a four star um but whatever so uh, apparently 24 7's final rankings are locked in and let's get into it right now so do you want to play a little bit of rapid fire yeah lead the way so what i'm going to do here is we got the 24 composite in an excel sheet by the way because we do research on this podcast mm-hmm. um i'm going to list them in terms of highest ranking to lowest ranking in a sentence or two, give me your thought on the player. And the object here is to get our audience to be familiar with the names in this class and what we can kind of get from their profile. So starting off, and I'll say high four star. So anything between a 94, maybe a 93, and a 98 is a high four star to me, which is essentially, you know, borderline five. So high four star. Offensive tackle from Indiana, Blake Fisher. Mauler. He's he's just going to be a, a mover of mountains. Anyone in his way is getting pancaked. I mean, he's he's pretty much what you saw from Aaron Banks is almost a carbon copy of what you can expect with Blake. That was a little bit too long, more than one sentence. I'll be better. That's okay. No, that's okay. We can we can spend a minute on each. Um, do you think he could be a guard too? Because um, he seems to have the profile to play both inside and out. Absolutely. I, I would figure him for a guard at six, five and a half, 336 pounds. The 336 is a little bit worrying for me um, to be on the outside because you have to have, you have to be able to move carrying that much weight. So I would, I would be okay with him being a guard. Uh, but I mean, depending on his body and, and everything, if, if he can handle the outside footwork, posture, the whole nine leverage, then, then sure. I mean, I, wherever he plays is obviously going to dominate. Yeah, that's my feeling too. All right, number two on the list. Uh, This was a huge get that kind of turned the tide of the recruitment cycle because it was looking dire for Notre Dame during COVID. Uh, Rocco Spindler, guard out of Michigan. Yep, very much so. A lot of these same... um you know, comments, I would say, in regards to Blake Fisher. So Rocco and Blake are going to be just a staple of the offensive line going forward. Uh, Rocco is slightly smaller, but not by much. He's an inch shorter at six, four and a half. He's 315 pounds. So he's about 20, 25 pounds less than Blake. So if Rocco was a little bit taller, I'd be okay with moving him out to tackle. Uh, but at six, four and a half, I mean, he can technically do it, but it, it seems like they're intent to sign him as a guard. But he's going to be very, very stable on this def- on, on this offensive line. No, not to get anyone's hopes up too high, but I really, really get Quentin Nelson vibes from Rocco Spindler. Just the mindset, the the way he plays football, it's just really exciting. I, that was such a huge get, beating out the Wolverines. Um, next, he is the Messiah, Tyler Buckner, dual quarterback from California, the man that will lead us to the promised land. No more needs to be said because we are going to get into him later and specifically why he is better than J.J. McCarthy, a Michigan five-star quarterback. <laughs> Next up, um, depending on which site you like, you could prefer one to the other, but on the composite, they go back-to-back. First up, wide receiver out of Georgia, Dion Colsey. Dion Colsey is going to be a baller. So he's 6'4", 193. Um, 
I I don't want to say like Megatron vibes, but I mean he he has the body type of like a Chase Claypool who is yep. who had the body type of Megatron. So like I I don't want to like directly I don't want to put essentially the pressure of people thinking oh oh holy shit this guy's gonna be a Calvin Johnson type, but he is very fluid in and out of routes and he is a big body guy that can go up and get the ball. He can high point it just like Chase was was great at. So very high on Dion. You know, he's one of two guys in this class who decommitted from Notre Dame and then recommitted, which is something I don't recall seeing very often in the Kelly era. So that's huge progress there as well. Um, and then his companion, um, a lot of guys in the fan base like him more, uh, high four-star receiver out of Ohio, Lorenzo Styles Jr. Yep, Zoe Styles, uh, 6'1", 185 out of Pickerington, Ohio. Uh, he is going to be, uh, he's fitted for the outside as well. He can definitely run the outside routes. I think he also is kind of a more prototype of guys that can move into the slot. Anyone between like 5'11 and 6'2 in the slot, um, I think is kind of going to be the new future that we're looking at. And he looks uh, pretty prime for that. I mean, again, very fluid and very quick, uh, with his route running, Almost an Antonio Brown type. Again, I, I'm just saying that in, in regards to making a comparison, I'm not directly saying like this is he's gonna be that guy, but that's what he would remind me of. Nice. So all offense so far, we now move to the defense. Um, I would call him high four star, or I definitely would the next two guys. So let's go first to Missouri defensive tackle, Gabriel Rubio. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gabe Rubio, 6'5 and a half, 305 pound defensive tackle, and he's basically just going to be a gigantic human plug. Uh, wh- whoever's trying to come up the front uh, or come up the middle of the, uh, the, uh, you know, the defensive line, basically, when they, when they try to run the ball, this guy is going to pretty much just pick them up and throw them backwards. Yeah, no, he's definitely a big man. I'm just looking up right now how tall Jerry Tillery is. Um, he's 6'7". Six seven. That's what I thought. Tillery's a little bit longer and a little bit taller, but um, Rubio Rubio can be that three tech that just terrorizes defenses. But speaking of, or sorry, terrorizing offenses. And speaking of terrorizing offenses, next up, Prince Colley, a fan favorite outside linebacker, Tennessee, recruited more so to play the rover position. Yeah, love, love Prince Colley. Very, very high on him. We'll get into this a little bit later, but six one, two hundred ten pounds. Um, basically just has the makings of continuing on the legacy of, uh, great, uh, great linebackers at Notre Dame from, uh, from Teo to, uh, to Jalen Smith, all the way up to, um, to Jeremiah Usakoromoa. And then I, it looks like Prince Kali is, is going to be that dude. So very high on him. All right. Next up, we're going back to tight end for tight end. You Kane Barong out of Georgia. Kane Barong. Out of Hartwell, Georgia. Strange name, uh, 6'4", 230 pounds. He was ranked ninth at his position, but as we know with Notre Dame, anyone who's going to play tight end for them, one, has to be a guy that can block and can catch and can just be a a straight-up baller. I'm expecting some great things out of him. It's a deep tight end room, but he's going to be a guy. And with Tommy Tremble unexpectedly declaring for the draft, we're a little bit thin at tight end right now, just as a position group, losing him and Brock Wright. Um, so that's going to be huge just to see, just to add some bodies there. And uh, Kane could be, you know, the next great Notre Dame tight end. Um, 
Next up, a very late addition and also a late riser. This guy's been skyrocketing up the rankings and, you know, given another few months, he could have been borderline five-star. Audric Estime, running back out of New Jersey, and I believe he was New Jersey Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a sentence, a brick shit house. Six Absolutely. One, <laughs> six, one and a half, 215 pounds. If you are in the open field attempting to tackle this man, Say your last rites or have them read to you more accurately by a priest because you are about to die. Yeah, the idea of Chris Tyree being lightning and then Audric Estime being thunder kind of makes me think running backs maybe matter a little bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Let's move on. The next wide receiver in the class and an excellent one, I think, um, who's kind of gone under the radar a bit. Another one out of Georgia, Jaden Thomas. Yeah, JT, Pace Academy, Atlanta, Georgia, 6'1", 205 pounds. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a mid, mid-range four-star guy, uh, 0.899. You round up, basically call him a, you know, a, a 90, quote-unquote, overall. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he has some, some other guys that he's going to have to compete with, but he has the body type and... He's a freak athlete. He, I th- I'm pretty sure that JT also played baseball. Am I correct? I'm not sure, but that that seems I'm, probable. I'm 97% sure that in his commitment video, he also had baseball as, as a thing. So like he, he he he's one of those guys that can do it all. And uh, he, I think he's pretty pretty renowned for his freak catches, like uh, you know his his circus catches. So this is going to be a guy that it might take a little bit for him to break through. But upside is through the roof. Yeah, I I think that's pretty pretty accurate there too. Let let's move to one of four, I believe, cornerbacks in this class. Uh, Philip Riley decommitted from Notre Dame, committed to USC, decommitted back to ND, where you know the better school is. Uh, out of Florida, but he's really from California. Is that correct? I I know there was some sort of weird backstory to it. I, uh, he's recruited from Florida, but uh, sometimes these guys will move around, especially when it goes to private academies. So, do you have uh, any thoughts on yeah, uh, on I mean, this recruitment? Yeah, Phil Riley. Uh, it's imperative that we get top end guys that are going to be comparable to him going forward at the cornerback and safety position because that's just the way that the game is evolving. He's he's a dude. Uh, I mean, he he could have gone to Florida. He could have gone to Georgia. He could have, he could have gone to Bama. He could have gone to basically anywhere and been a starter by the time he's a sophomore, which is pretty much what he's going to probably project to be. He's, he's probably even going to fight in camp for a starting position. That's how weak we are right now at corner, or at least I don't want to say we're weak, but it's open more accurately. But Philip Riley, six foot, 195, you know, we, Notre Dame has their prototype they they try to go for a guys at at least six feet at, at the corner position. Six feet to six three is kind of their their uh, their you know sweet spot, and and Riley is is uh, I mean he's just great. He, you know very smooth hips, um, you know able to jump routes, and he has a long body. So exciting stuff. Yeah, I think they made an exception on the six foot rule this year, but we'll get to that in a moment too. Um, another offensive tackle, one of many in this class, Caleb Johnson from Florida. Yeah, we stole him <clears throat> from Auburn. He's very foot, late. Very, very late. Uh, he's six foot seven, two hundred ninety-five pounds out of Trinity Catholic in Ocala, Florida. Uh, he was a three-star originally when we flipped him. He has now been upgraded to a four-star. So, 
Uh, very excited for Caleb Johnson. Again, he's he's going into a very uh, a very packed offensive line in terms of the uh, you know the depth chart. But so it will take him some time. But it it usually does, especially for offensive linemen. Most of them redshirt. So uh, don't expect to see him for a couple of years. But when he's when he's there, he's a monster. That reminds me of our first episode we ever did. We talked about the incoming 2019 recruiting class. Um, at one point we did. Maybe it wasn't our first episode. But uh, we talked about who we'd like to see. And we talked about, oh, Zeke Carell, Quinn Carroll, Andrew Kristovic. It's going to be an epic class. And mm-hmm. we're only now starting to to get these guys in. So yep. expect that with the offensive tackles that we're talking about. Even Blake Fisher, you know, a guy as great as that, could take a little while to get into that um, starting lineup for the Irish. For sure. Exactly. So that's the end of the 12 stars, uh, or sorry, the, the 12 four stars. Um, we now signed 15 three stars, and we're going to start with a very, very late flip uh, out of nowhere. Nobody saw this coming. Kerry Gee, safety from Georgia. Yeah, he's 6'3", 185. He's from Atlanta, Georgia, or at least that's where he played ball, and we flipped him from LSU. So, yes, he's a three-star guy, but anytime that LSU is going into Georgia territory or, or Bama territory in terms of recruiting and pulling a guy that's three-star, you know that he has tremendous upside. And, uh, and for him to flip over to the Irish, very exciting stuff. Yeah, well said. We'll get into more, more on him later. Next up, um, we always get these random state recruits, and this is probably my favorite. Joe Alt, offensive tackle out of Minnesota. Yeah, and that's where I'm um, pretty sure Zeke Carell or, or Quinn Carroll is from. It's one of the two. It's uh, Carroll. Yeah, Quinn those, those two Minnesota. will always forever in my brain just be basically a, a clone of each other. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Joe Alt, um, you know, he's six foot seven, two eighty three, So he's a massive guy. Uh, you know, he is a three-star guy, but uh, again, three-star doesn't mean that these guys are not going to ever play or see the field. It just means it's going to take them some time to develop, whether it's mentally, whether it's physically, it, it is what it is. These are still guys with tremendous upside. So expect Joe Alt to be on the field in probably three to four years. But when you see him, he is going to be a, a great addition to the offensive line. Yeah, well said. Um, next up, the second tight end of the class, Mitchell Evans from Ohio. Yeah, so uh, Mitch Evans is six foot seven, two hundred forty pounds. Uh, so he's basically you're, you have another offensive lineman <laughs> essentially from <laughs> from Wadsworth, Ohio. So um, he is going to be again kind of a depth guy and and more so a blocking tight end. And it's it's going to probably take him some time to uh, to start seeing receptions, but it, it's all part of the process of building depth. The last man to sign in the recruitment class, a controversial figure. Logan Diggs running back out of Louisiana. He picked up a late LSU offer. <laughs> yeah. So he's six foot one ninety-five. He is a running back. I believe he was the uh the sportsman of the year uh in, in Louisiana. Uh and for us to go into Louisiana and again go basically straight up against LSU and uh, and fight for a guy that they were recruiting hard for. So yeah, he's a three star guy, but you know, to repeat myself and, and you know, keep banging the drum, still tons of upside and and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get reps this year, but it, you know, it might be a little bit too early. We'll see at the very least going forward. We, we will see this guy on the field on Saturdays. Another random state guy, Ryan Barnes, cornerback. 
Bo Barnes has potentially his name is Ryan. He goes by Bo from Gaithersburg, Maryland, 6'2", 185. So again, absolutely that prototype. He is has probably the highest upside of a, a under, you know, under ranked guy uh, of the entire class, in my opinion, and in the, in the opinion of a lot of people uh, in, in the recruiting realm and, and in Notre Dame Twitter and in talking spaces. Think of him essentially as like, I basically think of him as, I don't know, Darrell Revis. I mean, he, he is, is uh, everything that I've seen about this kid is you do not want to go against him in man coverage because if you throw the ball his way, it is not going to land in the hands of the receiver, period. End. Like, that's it. So he's going to be a lockdown guy. Hopefully we can see him on the field this upcoming uh, this upcoming fall. Remember the best corner we've had at Notre Dame in the last decade, Julian Love, was a three-star recruit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's no shame in that at all because back-to-back three-star corners, we're going to Chance Tucker from California. Yeah, Chance Tucker is uh, 6'1", 180, again, kind of uh, filling into that type that they like. And all the things that I would say about any other three-star still apply here. Uh, tons of upside. Might take him a little bit of time to develop. Probably probably hit the weight room, get maybe up to 190, 195. But as he, uh, as he puts on some weight, as he gets onto campus, gets a feel for Marcus Freeman's defense, I think we're probably two to three years away from seeing him. But again, a, definitely a difference maker in time. Yeah, that that cornerback group is going to be a, an absolute dogfight this this coming fall. Um, so going back to safety, the second safety of the class, Justin Waters from Illinois. Yeah, so Justin Walters from Bolingbrook, Illinois, six two one eighty five. Uh, so and and again, I think he's a little bit undersized for the safety position, just in terms of weight. So that's probably why he's a three star. Uh, expect him to put on some weight and some muscle, build up a little bit of speed, and and again, you know, the it, it takes some some time to develop, but he'll be out there. Nice. Um, kind of rounding out the defense here in the bottom of the class um, in terms of the rankings, but of course, you know, these guys are going to be drafted anyway, all of them. Uh, Devin Opiu, linebacker slash defensive end. I think he's being brought in to play more of a defensive end position out of California. Yeah, he'll probably be the the viper, uh, if anything. You know that drop end because he's uh, fast enough and athletic enough to to play the the linebacker position, but also get down and and on the defensive line and and rush the QB. So six five, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, I think it's more so. He's a freak athlete. I think it's more so for them kind of deciphering where he's going to fit into the scheme or if they can scheme around him. Um, so that's probably why you're seeing a little bit lower of a ranking. Uh, but you know, I, as he develops and as Marcus Freeman gets his hands on him, I think Devin actually has tremendous upside with the body type he has. And he was a UCLA commit, correct? And he flipped late as well. That's correct. Yeah. Notre Dame, I think set maybe a school record for amount of flips. They got this, <laughs> this, I mean, that's what happens, right? You're playing good. You're on TV. You're making the playoff. People want to play for you. Uh, but you got to remember, guys, the California kids didn't get a chance to play football this fall. So a lot of these folks stayed ranked three stars, four stars when they didn't get the chance to move up. Um, so you're going to get this is going to be the weirdest recruiting class for everyone because we don't know how many late risers there are. Um, so moving on to another uh, he's listed as a linebacker, but he could easily be another defensive end as well. Um, Will. Schweitzer, Schweitzer, yep. California. 
Yep, he's uh, also from California, 6'4", 220, so uh, almost identical to Devin. And I, I think they're, they're, both of them are going to have a similar path in their career. Uh, it's a matter of figuring out where they're going to fit, uh, you know, D-line or, or as a linebacker, and then kind of, you know, building out the defense around them. And it'll, it'll take them some time, but again, two really high upside guys that kind of got screwed out of their senior year, but hey, uh, they're early enrollees, both of them. So it's going to give them a chance to get up to speed, get into the weight room and, and, uh, and, and learn the playbook. That's another thing too. So many early enrollees in this class. That's that's just going to help. Um, interestingly, Devin and Will are separated by zero point zero 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 one on twenty four composite, and uh, Barnes and Tucker are actually tied. So just to give you guys an idea of the the gap between them, it's not very large. Um, another linebacker out of Hawaii this time, Kahanu Kia. Yeah, six foot two, two twenty. Um, he's out of Honolulu. Um, I don't know anything about Hawaii. I've never been. I've never been west of Atlanta. Not, I'm not a very well-traveled man. Uh, but regardless, uh, Keanu Kia, um, yeah, kind of uh, same. You know, he's he's got a good size. Uh, he could probably play inside if he wanted to, but he's he's more so going to be better on the outside. Now, whether I whether or not he's athletic enough to play rover is yet to be seen. But it it's going to be interesting to see how they how he will fit into the defense going forward. Perfect. We're getting to the tail end here. Let's go Pat Coogan, a fan favorite guard out of Illinois. <laughs> uh, six, five, two ninety offensive lineman out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, yeah. Just a fat, happy Irish guy. You can't, you, you gotta love it, especially at, on the Notre Dame campus. But yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, he's good. He's very good. Uh, and, and again, this is, this is a guy that's going to add some depth to the room and, and definitely projects to be, um, to fight to be a starter at some point in his career uh, in, in the latter half, and that's that's probably how his career will, will play out. You know, you brought that up. Now I'm looking through the class for Irish surnames, and he might be the only one, perhaps uh, Phil Riley. Um, but, yeah, not a, not an Irish-heavy class this year. Um, <laughs> weak side defensive end Jason Onye, Rhode Island. Oh, boy, it's a specialty yeah. for you. Well, I, ironically, he went to Bishop Hendrickon High School, uh, which – I went to LaSalle Academy to say that there is a hatred between LaSalle and Hendrickin. I, I honestly think it's a more bitter rivalry than like USC, Notre Dame, than Red Sox, Yankees, than, you know, name like the most bitter rivalries you can think of. My high school and his high school hated one another. Uh, but nonetheless, I love him. Six foot five, 260 pounds. He's honestly probably a three-star guy because Rhode Island doesn't get many views. Now, the very same high school had Quiddy Pay as a five-star guy uh, a couple of years ago go to Michigan. Ugh. Um, and then he's going to be in the, the upcoming NFL draft. So um, I'm not sure if if maybe Anya just didn't get as many looks or what it would be. Uh, he has the body type of a guy that could be a four-star guy. So we'll see how his career develops. I, I don't, he probably didn't get a fair shot if I were to take a guess. So I'm going to defend my guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jason's a beast. Yeah, we have a, a really good ability to develop three-star defensive ends. Um, moving on, another late flip from Cincinnati, I believe. And we'll get into that in a bit. Joe Joe Johnson, athlete but brought in to play corner from Indiana. 
Yeah. Uh, Jojo Johnson, five foot 11. He is 180 pounds. Uh, the fact that he's coming into play corner as as 5'11", 180, it does exactly go uh, against the the prototype or stereotype uh, that we're looking for, as you alluded to earlier. Yeah, he could play wide receiver. He could play corner. Looks like he'll play corner for us. Um, I think he projects to be kind of a Sean Crawford type. All right, this is a guy that's probably going to spend a lot of his time in the slot, if I were to take a guess now. Um, so... Uh, he might get onto the field a little bit earlier than a lot of people expect. Yep, I think, and that's something we'll talk about soon as well, um, is playtime. But let's round out this class here. This is unfair to call him a three-star because, really, he's a six-star per sailor um, kicker, Josh Bryan from California. Yeah, uh, Josh Bryan, six foot one ninety out of Chatsworth, California. Uh, he's just going to hit bombs. That's it. I mean, he's he's our next guy in. So av- after Doer uh, finishes what is going to be a fantastic senior season for him, we transition right over to Josh Bryan. Can't wait for him. And last but not least, a familiar name for Irish fans, Ron Pallas III, a pro-style quarterback from Indiana. Yeah, he's a three-star guy. Um, and one, th- it's important to remember that, again, three-star guys – can progress into top end talent. Antonio Brown was a three-star guy, and and I you could probably go through all the people, and, and especially at the quarterback position, Ian Book was a three-star QB. Um, so yeah, Ron Paulus the third, he is six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds. He's a pro-style QB. He has the body type. Uh, he has the the name, <laughs> right? He has the. Uh, Probably a good upbringing in terms of being a student of the game, literally a coach's son. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously you know, the, the big guy on campus is Tyler Buckner, but we'll see, you know, four or five years down the line, throw in a red shirt there. Maybe he gets a, a year in, even if it's just a red shirted senior year. It, it, it's very highly possible we end up seeing him as the starting QB at some point in his career. Interesting, Ron Paulus is the Associate Athletics Director of Football at Notre Dame. I'm sure that is irrelevant information. <laughs> so, there's the class. Um, took us a bit, but we got through it. We wanted to, all of the listeners to understand who these guys are and, and kind of attach a, a visual profile when we talk about them. So, you know, I know we have an agenda, but I want to sneak this in first, Steve. What position groups are we strong at and weak at in this class? Yeah, so we are definitely strong at wide receiver. Um, yep. I would say if if we were to have a weakness, it would be the defensive line. And it's not be- because we don't have good prospects. We do. I just – I don't see that we have the high – Level. It, yeah, exactly. It, it basically is going to take those guys uh, some time to develop, with the exception of Gabe Rubio. Rubio I, I think yeah. he's going to be kind of someone who can come in, but it's going to take the rest of the defensive line a couple of years to get in there. Um, and he's the only D tackle we we picked up in this class too, so it's a little thin. Exactly, exactly. But the the wide receivers are great. The offensive line, as expected, yeah, with especially with the two top guys, are are just absolute units, and and they're going to be moving bodies. So, um, yeah, I I would say. Offensive line strength, wide receiver strength, uh, defensive line is a weakness. And then I would say safety is is definitely uh, going to need some some TLC because as of now, we just have Justin Walters and, and Carrie G. Um, 
again, two really high upside guys, but it's going to take them, I, I would project, to be at least uh, until their sophomore or junior years to get onto the field. Yeah, I think corner is an interesting class, too, because we've added depth for sure. Four corners, we really needed this. We're thin. It's unseen if this will be high enough end guys. So it, it could be both a strength and a weakness. We don't know. We just don't know how these three stars and uh, and Riley's a low four star will project. Um, but the depth is there at least um, in terms of high end explosiveness. We're not too sure yet. Um, but that's how I feel about this class too. Um, do you want to get into perhaps our top seven personal? You know, not just based on the composite rankings, although that's obviously an influence, but just the seven guys you like the most coming out of this class. Yeah, absolutely. I'll let you take it to start. Okay. So I'll, I'll let you have a, your throat have a little breather there. You, <laughs> you carry the load. Okay, so first and foremost for me is actually Tyler Buckner. Um, like I said, I posted his highlight videos. We went through the statistics. Yes, he was playing slightly lower competition in California, but what he was doing was unhuman. Um, what I see from Tyler Buckner is a six foot two version of Kyler Murray. Um, you can see Russell uh, Wilson in 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 his game. He moves like a human shouldn't move for that size. His his dual threat ability is unbelievable. He scored eighty one touchdowns in his junior season. Think about that. Over fifty throwing and the rest running. Um, excellent arm to his deep ball is beautiful. He can throw on the run. I really see Kyler Murray. I see a lot of Kyler Murray in him. Um, second for me, we got to go Big Fish, uh, the mayor of this recruiting class from Indiana. He put together a lot of this recruiting class. So two for me is going to be Blake Fisher. Whether he's outside or inside, not going to matter. I think he's going to be an NFL draft pick. Three for me, Gabriel Rubio. This guy's a, a bring-your-lunchbox-to-work kind of guy. Um, works hard, great attitude, just a football dude. Um, he's liked a few of our tweets, so maybe he's a listener of the show, and if he is, we'd love to have him on. He's just a beast at defensive tackle, and I think if not for how deep we are at defensive tackle this year, we could have seen him in his freshman year. I would expect it maybe to take him another year to get in just because of how good we are, but he's that type of guy where I feel comfortable with him on the field already. Um, four for me, Rocco Spindler, uh, we talked about, of course, that's the other guard. I think Quentin Nelson, when I maybe not quite as vicious, but that kind of player. Five, Prince Colley. Um, he's going to be the rover. He's the heir to Owusu's position. Um, and then for six and seven, I went interchangeable. It really depends on who you like, what site you're on, um, what you value in a receiver. But Colsey and Styles, um, interchangeable to me. I think Tyler Buckner is going to grow up with some great receivers, and, and it makes things so exciting. Yeah, and I have, I mean, clearly I have a lot of the same. I will say at the start, I did uh, I did kind of diss Rocco Spindler. Uh, not that I don't think he's going to be great. I obviously do. I just think that there's going to be some other guys that uh, position-wise are going to provide more value to us. Uh, what I'm re referring to specifically, just number one, first and foremost, Tyler Buckner is the guy, right? The quarterback's the most important position on the field. Uh, I mean, even if you look at, at the NFL uh, look at the final four teams that, that played for the conference championships. I mean, it it it's the winning position, right? Uh, then I'm going to go with Blake Fisher. I mean, I, I literally, I think this guy is, again, I, we've had such a great run of, of 
you know, first round picks with, uh, on the offensive line. And, and he's, you know, there's going to be obviously some guys before him over the course of the next couple of years. Cause he, he's probably not going to get into the NFL draft for another four or five years, but he absolutely is going to be a first round pick. In my opinion, he's going to be a, an absolute tank. Um, my third player that I'm taking here, um, is going to be Dion Colsey, six foot four, over 200 pounds on the outside. Uh, with a absolute stud throwing him the football, I mean, and the the uh, the wide receiver position is going to conveniently open up for him next year to the point where I think he can probably start for three seasons and put up some really really big numbers. So high on on him. Uh, then Prince Collie, uh, he is going to be the staple of the defense. He is he's going to be a stud. He's going to be the next great. Uh, you know, linebacker for, for the Irish, and and I, I already love him. Love the guy. Uh, my sixth guy I'll go with would be Gabe Rubio. It is going to take him a little bit of time to get into the lineup, but he will eventually just be absolutely plugging holes and and uh, terrorizing offensive lines and and even quarterbacks eventually in in, in due time. And then uh, last but not least, again, just because of the value add and the way that the game is designed, uh, is going to be Philip Riley. Um, so he's he doesn't uh, he, right now he's he we're basically banking on him to be the future of the secondary in about. It probably, if not this year, the next year, we're going to be relying very heavily on this guy at some point to be to basically take down one half of the field. And I think he has the the, the talent to do it. So really excited about him. That's a great list. Um, so something we should do because, you know, you're really good at this. Uh, we're going to pick a pet cat, meaning your guy. We're not allowed to do Tyler Buckner because obviously – so a non-Tyler Buckner guy. Now, for those listening, Steve in the past in recruiting classes, his guy has been like Foskey. Um, who's, who's the other one you had? An excellent, um, was it Nana? Yep, Nana Osofomensa. Yeah. Watch so for the, him this year. He hasn't, yep. he hasn't made much of an impact, but watch for him this year. And, of course, Kyle Hamilton. So Steve has a really good eye for talent here in picking like one of – Anyone on the board could be the seven we listed, could not be. Um, so, Steve, who's your pet cat? Yeah, uh, I am going to go with with Bo Barnes. Uh, I, I I love Prince Collie. Uh, Prince Collie is more of the the chalk play, so to speak. Uh, so, if it wasn't Barnes, it would definitely be Collie. Uh, just to give you an eye on on who who I visualize, but Bo Barnes, six two, one eighty five, cornerback. He, we hopefully will see him this year, but also hopefully not because I would prefer not to have a true freshman at corner. I, I, I'm, I have so many mixed feelings. I just know that this guy is going to shut it down eventually, whether it's this year or, or going forward. Bo Barnes is going to be an absolute stud. He's going to be at the very least a third round pick in the NFL or better. So keep an eye out for that guy. Speaking of NFL future draft picks for me, it's Gabriel Rubio. I love the way this guy plays football. He's an early enrollee, but just look at his measurables. He's six foot five and a half and already 305 pounds. Um, usually the three tech is kind of in that range as a professional athlete in the NFL. He's got that now and he's got the size to him where he could kick to the, you know, the nose guard one gap. Um, if need be, I just think this guy is going to be a menace for quarterbacks. I don't know if he'll play right away, but 
Gabriel is my guy. He, I think in three years' time, we'll be talking about this guy as a staple of the defense, along with Prince Colley as well, and hopefully a few of the, the DBs we signed. Um, so kind of with, you know, all our cards on the table, who we like, who our favorites are, who do you think is most likely to play as a freshman this coming season? That's a great question. Oh, man. Um, whew. Give me one moment to just look over the list. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Philip Riley. I think Philip Riley is going to come in and, and fight for a position. Um, and because obviously, as we saw <laughs> with Mac Jones and Devonta Smith, there's, uh, much to be desired and it's not like the guys that we have are inherently bad it's just are they developed enough to compete against elite top tier talent when their number is called yeah so i think that are not to put down our corners because i think that all of them have a future and i think all of them will have a potential shot at the nfl i just think they were way early on in their career to be facing such a potent offense of Alabama. And with that exposure uh, of, of our, I don't want to call it a weakness, but a compromise, you know, whatever it may be. Right. I, I think that's what gives Riley the chance to compete day one, especially as an early enrollee. Yeah. So for me, I split this in two groups because our depth chart right now, that I've got on the Excel sheet because I do a lot of research um, is pretty, pretty stacked. It's there's no easy spot for anyone to come in. Um, so the exception is obviously at corner. So for most likely to break through, I'm just listing all of them. I think Riley Barnes, Tucker, Jojo all have a shot. Um, they all offer something different. You want your length, you go Barnes, uh, Riley seems to be the best all-around guy right now, at least in rankings. I think Tucker's really great in coverage. JoJo could be that corner uh, that's on the inside. I think any of them can get in because right now what we have at corner is uh, Clarence Lewis, who was just a true freshman last year as a three-star, and Tariq Bracey, who lost his job to Clarence Lewis. So it's it's pretty grim right now. And Caleb Offord, who was also a true freshman and a three-star guy that was kind of in and out, in and out. So again, yeah. I, I think bodies. all those guys are great, but they were not prepared. No. And uh, with McLeod leaving, kind of a little surprisingly just with the extra year, you thought maybe he would want to stay. But he's going to take a shot at the draft. So, you know, it's there to be taken. I think Kelly and co are going to have to find a grad transfer just because. And if they don't, and even if they do really, the, the, that's open for the taking, you know, Lewis, Bracey, both have more experience, but if any of these guys come in and beat the mountain camp, congrats, you're the, the new starting corner for Notre Dame. I would say a group of guys who could play and I don't expect them to. For me, I went Lorenzo styles because I think he has versatility on out wide as both a, field receiver as a boundary receiver as a slot receiver i think he's the kind of guy you could probably play anywhere along the position whereas colsey you know with this big frame you kind of project him being that that big mckinley type guy i think lorenzo styles could see the field just with his explosiveness i also think 
I think Rocco Spindler can see the field. Um, offensive line is another position where there's a lot of guys ahead of everyone, but it's unclear who's going to play where. And if uh, Correll is playing center and Patterson gets kicked out to, to tackle, the guard position could be a little open, and I could see Spindler getting some time there. I also think Prince Colley, he would be, I think, maybe a starter day one, but what I think Freeman is going to do is they're going to move one of Jack Kaiser or Maria Liafau to Rover to make up for Wusu Corboa's departure. You also obviously have um, Isaiah Pryor is still there. Um, there. There's guys, right? There's guys to play Rover, but Prince Kali is the future, and I think they'll want to get some snaps of him early. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll start, but I can see him. And then Josh Bryan. Um, the reason I'm throwing him out there as a kicker is if there's an injury or if Jonathan Dewart has a grim start to the season we could see the the freshman get some game time yeah yep i pretty much agree with everything you said the only other guy i could think of is tyler buckner but truthfully i hope that we only see buckner this year in garbage time in four games that way he can just keep his red shirt and i just hope we don't need him whatsoever because jack Cohn, I'm, I'm i'm ready to get hurt again <laughs> in the in the words of Michael Scott, I'm I'm ready to open up my heart to you, Jack Cone. I'm ready to let you in, and presumably destroy my entire life sometime in between December and January. But until then, I love you, you. you know you know what I think is going to happen at quarterback is Cone's obviously going to be the starter. I think on paper Drew Pine is going to be the backup. Buckner will get cleanup duty, like you said. Um, in maybe a few games. But if Cone were to get hurt, even though Drew Pine is listed as the backup, I think Kelly would actually go straight to Buckner. I think Buckner's going to be the third quarterback for show, if, I if, would if that makes agree. sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I, I like Drew Pine because he's a really cool kid. He's got some spunk. But, um, I mean, it, it's just really tough to have this guy waiting in the wings and, and not think that that uh, that TB is going to be the future of the program. If Tyler Buckner has to be number 12, if he's, if we have our own TB 12, I mean, come on, <laughs> it's destiny. It, it, it's destiny. And you know, while we're on Buckner, I wanted to get this out here too to our good friend, Connor McQuiston, Michigan fan. Um, yes. Here's why Tyler Buckner is the best quarterback in the class and definitely better than JJ McCarthy. Would you agree, Steve, and this is no slight on anybody, but if you are willing to go to Michigan, you are probably considering, you would consider Notre Dame as well, right? They're very similar profiles. They're an academic, a great academic institution. They're in the Midwest. Weather kind of sucks. Both are blue bloods. You would get more chance to compete at Notre Dame for a title, but at Michigan, you know, you're in the top whatever. To me, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're willing to go to Michigan, you're probably willing to at least consider Notre Dame. Right? Yeah, you're taking the call, you're visiting the campus, you're entertaining the idea. Right, so why did Notre Dame not offer J.J. McCarthy a scholarship? Because he stinks. Well, I don't know if he stinks, but this is my thing. It's not that he didn't have the grades, because he's going to Michigan. It's not that he wasn't interested in Notre Dame, because to me, if you're maybe you pick Michigan over Notre Dame, but you would at least, I mean, they're very similar schools, like it or not, you would consider Notre Dame. They didn't offer him because their guy was Tyler Buckner. They had highlighted this talent years ago. Tommy Reese has said it felt like I was recruiting this kid for a decade. They've been talking to Tyler Buckner for a very long time. They've picked out this talent. They've done their checks on character, 
on leadership academics buckner is their guy and this is no diss to obviously five-star quarterback jj mccarthy but when you talk about the rivals notre dame usc michigan who got the best quarterback notre dame did tyler buckner trust me is going to be the best quarterback in this recruiting class and i think the fact that and notre dame's good at you know obviously recruiting and picking out talent the fact that they didn't offer jj to me signals that this tyler kid is special meanwhile Every school in the country offered Tyler, basically, mm-hmm. right? Anyone who was worth anybody who had a shot at winning a national championship or hopes of winning a national championships offered Tyler Buckner a scholarship. Yeah, I'm looking to see right now how many scholarships he's got offered, and the the list is literally too long for me to read. And Michigan it, is on it. It, like, it literally just guess. keeps going. Uh, I I can't even get that low. Like it's it's just way too long. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so you know that I got my Buckner propaganda aside. Let's move on. Um, every recruiting class has three star guys who turn out to be ballers, whether they become All Americans or draft picks or whatever. Who is the lower ranked guys most likely to succeed in this class? The lower ranked, um, uh, well, I'm going to start with Bo Barnes, my baby, <clears throat> at my my pet cat. He's he's definitely one. Uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to throw one at you, Mitchell Evans. I don't see a world where a six foot seven, two hundred forty pound tight end at the University of Notre Dame doesn't make a splash in one capacity or another. And then uh, I would probably say Carry G, uh, Carry G. Uh, six foot three safety, you know, that otherwise would have gone to LSU. I think those are the three that stand out to me that, um, you know, they, they all three of them may take quite some time to get onto the field, but when they do, they're, they're going to be some ballers. So you picked one of my guys there, Kerry G, G, I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Six I, foot, I, six foot three safety out of Atlanta. He's got comparisons to Kyle Hamilton. And I'm not saying this kid's going to be Kyle Hamilton, but there are strong athletic comparisons there. Um, he's a three-star on 24 composite, but he's a four-star on rivals. Um, he was a late ascender as well. I think this kid is going to be a legit starter for Notre Dame. I'm really excited for him. Um, I'm also going JoJo Johnson. I know he's ranked near the bottom of the class, but again, the guy that doesn't really matter too much. Um there's just something about him that makes me think he'll thrive. He's got some kind of aura about him. He's got that vibe. I think JoJo Johnson's going to be a dog out there. And here's the thing. Freeman said in his media availability that JoJo was a top player in the country. Um, and if you recall, he recruited him at Cincinnati. And uh, he committed to him at Cincinnati. So Freeman likes JoJo. And I think, you know, Freeman likes someone. That's probably a good indication. Um you went with Barnes. I think that's excellent too. I like Joe Alt, six foot seven out of Minnesota. One of those states where I feel like you get a, a lower recruiting just because you're not in a high profile football state like Rhode Island or even Massachusetts. Uh, Minnesota is one another one for me. And uh, if it if it's not cheating, I'd say Josh Bryan because he's really a six star, but um, <laughs> technically three star. So I'd go with him as well. Um, how do you feel about this class, man? Yeah. So. I, I did make a spreadsheet over the last I, – I did from 2017 all the way up until this year's 2021 class. Um, and I think we definitely got some high upside here in terms of star power, obviously. You, you look at the probably the top three, four guys here, and, and I think you're you're looking at 
second round picks are better. But I more than anything, we added a ton of depth, uh, which I we we definitely needed. And and there's a reason the COVID this was year, the, right? Exactly. It's the COVID year. I mean, with, with scholarships, the way everything is working out, we added so many players to the point where I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe three or four of these players from this from this class eventually transferring, to be honest. But that's because there's we've now added uh, an abundance of riches at basically every position where everyone's going to have the chance to compete go to camp, wide open positions, wide open depth chart, and make a name for themselves. And I think every guy that we did inherently recruit and bring in and sign has the ability to get up to the top of the you know, to the top of the mountain, so to speak. They they can definitely get that. I, I there's not a guy on this list that I do not see as a starter at at in any capacity of a power five program. It just depends on how quickly they ascend to that status. But we it's it's just depth, 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 depth. That is the uh, essentially the 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 drum that we can continue to hammer in regards to this class. So I'm looking through it now, and Notre Dame has the most number of recruits in this class in the entire country tied with Alabama and Virginia Tech at twenty seven. Uh, we took advantage of the COVID rule, basically. We we took this opportunity to hammer out a good recruiting class while we were attractive, while we were a playoff team, and it was excellently done. Um, I will say that um, Air Force is listed at 69 commits. I hope that is a computing error, but it is possible. They just brought in 69 dudes, um, <laughs> and for that reason, I'll say that doesn't count. But this is a big, big class. Lots of depth all over the place, skilled positions. The wide receivers really, really excite me. I think it begs the question, is this ND's best class since, you know, or when's the last time Notre Dame has had a class this good in your opinion? Because I have an answer, um, but I'll let, I'll let you take the first shot at it. Yeah, I mean, just going off the averages. So so here's here's my notes from the last couple of years. So uh, 2017, some notables were Cole Komet, Robert Hainsey, Aaron Banks. Um we were the 10th overall class with 251 points, an average of 89 uh, point whatever. Uh, I, my comments on that class would be that that was us on the rise. As we saw this past year, um, you know, in, we saw with an 89 average that we could ascend to with those seniors, the college football playoff. Right. So so I think essentially you're you're anytime you have a, a class rate around 90, you four years later, that's congruent with a 10 to 11 win season. Now, ever since we've basically been in the 90s, 2018, we were a 90. I mean, Houston Griffith, Kevin Austin, Shane yeah. Simon, 2019, Kyle Hamilton, Zeke Corrells, uh, Quinn, Quinn Carroll last year. Mm. Michael Mayer, Jordan Johnson, Chris Tyree. This year we have Buckner. Like all, all the pieces seem yeah. to be coming together. I would this say this class probably, is actually the lower one of the, among the lowest averages of mm-hmm. rating in our recent history. But there's so many of them, right? And and that's yeah. something to consider. And the as well. reason is because we signed so many three star guys that we said, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna pack in the depth and and we're gonna. You, so yeah, there's plenty of great guys in this team. There's also a couple of guys that are gonna be projects that take two three years to get onto the field. But it is going to pay dividends. It absolutely is. So if you see a 89.69 rating, don't think, oh, okay, so this is kind of like, it's a very good class, but not great. I think it is going to be great. I, I would probably say, though, 
Uh, I would probably say the 2019 class uh, with with Hamilton and and crew would be the best, in my opinion. Right. It's difficult to say because there's recruitment at the time, right? Because then you can just go back and find the highest rated class. Um, the highest average might have been last year with Mayer and Johnson and Tyree and Baker and Botello. I mean, that's that's a huge class. But for me, you know, the way I'm looking at it, I'm cheating and I'm looking at end results. And for me, the best class we've signed in the Kelly era, I think, um, it, 2012 was a good class too, or that 13 year. But for me, it's 2016. It was only ranked 15th at the time in the country. But here's the list of dudes who have been produced um, from this class, have either gone to the NFL or, you know, drafted or going to the NFL. Tommy Kramer, Liam Eikenberg, Javon McKinley, Dalen Hayes, Chase Claypool, uh, Khalid Kareem, Troy Pride Jr., Julian Okwara, Tony Jones Jr., Jalen Elliott, Julian Love, Ian Book, and then our boy Ade in this upcoming draft. Holy shit. Yeah. So for me, it's 2016. <laughs> yeah, no, 2016 was great. And and the crazy part is, is we've been putting together comparable, if not better classes ever since. Yep. Uh, and, and that that should make everybody excited. Again, we've said this so many times. We've 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 always had the talent. We've always had the coaching to compete at the national stage and for national titles. Just in every given year. There's always been, whether it's the offensive line, defensive line, corners, whatever it may be, we've always just had fell short in one capacity. What we've been building for since 2016 onward is all to add depth and just close the gap between our top-end talent and the bottom-end talent and make sure that it's basically plug-and-play. Anyone can come in and that everyone is going to – we're just equally distributing our talent amongst all of our units – Offense, defense, special teams, trenches, position players, the whole nine. And we are only getting better year after year. That's why all of this matters. It all matters. P-Wagon recruiting matters. And that's why it's so exciting. All right. Here's another question for you. Can the 2022 class, the next one, be even better than this class? I mean, we're off to a hot start. Tyson Ford, uh, Joey Tanona from Zionsville, uh, Indiana. He is a, a four-star offensive tackle, another four-star offensive tackle up by me in Massachusetts, Ty Chan. He's, and then we have uh, a couple of other three-stars right now currently adding depth. Prospect-wise, we are in on a, a lot of big names. We are in on some five-stars. Um, I mean, Zach Rice is a five-star offensive tackle that we could potentially get. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There's a there's a guard out of Wisconsin that Notre Dame is going to sign. Um, yeah, I'm fairly fairly convinced the mm-hmm. offensive tackle and line group in in this one will be big as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and I think I saw something along uh, uh, something pop up the other day about us being in on a five star linebacker as well, just because of Freeman yeah. and and uh, you know what he provides for us. So. A few of them, um, because we're even trying to flip an Ohio State guy as well. The rumor is um, C.J. Hicks, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, commit to Ohio State. There was talks that he might flip to Cincinnati. So then that that rumors have been sparked up again that, well, if he was willing to flip to Cincinnati, what would he do for Notre Dame? Um, so that's not a guarantee or anything, but that's just the type of guys we're in on. Uncommitted, committed, anything of the like. Um, for me, I was going to say it wasn't projecting to be better. It was projecting to be a solid class. 
But then Marcus Freeman came along, and it's just changed everything because he has lit a fire on recruiting. Um, as we said earlier, the USC four five star linebacker had decommitted. He's likely going to Notre Dame. We've been offering a ton of linebackers, a ton of DBs. I think this class could be better, and that's a terrifying thought because I think this current class is is elite. Yeah, absolutely. It, I I think it's going to project to be better. Exactly why you said is is obviously Freeman being the factor here. Also, I mean, it's it's no. <laughs> It's it's no secret that when you win football games, you get more exposure and you get better quality recruits. Uh, we we are coming off of the last couple of years, you know, two playoff appearances and then a bunch of wins along the way. I mean, it's ten wins basically every season plus. Um, the way that we are projecting to go this year with a relatively manageable and I don't a weaker schedule as compared to what we traditionally have. And now with Jack Cohn coming in, providing some stability at the quarterback position, the biggest need we had, which has now been addressed with a guy who's a 50 year redshirted senior to bring experience, guidance, poise and talent. It, I, you'd be hard pressed to see Notre Dame, you know, win less than nine games. I think they're at least a 10 win team and we'll cover this more with a season preview, but the, if we can continue to be a top 15 program, top 10 program fighting for another playoff appearance, uh, while we have Marcus, it just gives him more ammo to say, we are not even at our precipice yet. And look what we're doing now. If we get you, Mr. Recruit, just imagine where we're going. And that's going to put a lot of ammo in his gun for him to to pull the trigger when the time is right. So it's it, it's all lining up. Yeah, it's an exciting time for Notre Dame football. Um, the thing that Cone did is he gave you the ability to compete next year. We can go out and win twelve games on our schedule. It's not a it's not a rebuilding year like people were thinking. Notre Dame is going to be a contender next year. What it does is it holds you over and allows these upcoming recruiting classes to develop. And by the time Cone leaves, you're going to have a a quarterback battle that Tyler Buckner is almost certainly going to win. Um, and speaking of Tyler Buckner, Steve, I found the list of recruits for you. And um, let's just let's just dive into this for a moment. <laughs> Here's the most notable ones: Alabama. Recruited by Jeff Banks and Steve Sarkeesian. Have you ever heard of them? I've heard. I I think they have a pretty decent program. Yeah, I think they know what they're doing over there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they had Georgia, a pretty good quarterback this past year, right? They did. They did. Almost Heisman winner in college football history. Okay. Georgia. They are an above average program, I'd say. Yeah, I, I hear they're I hear they're all right. I've only played, <laughs> uh, you know, two playoffs or nothing. Uh, Michigan. Hmm. They're there you go. But... Notre Dame didn't offer McCarthy, but Michigan offered Buckner. Just, hmm. just throwing that out there. Nebraska used to be something. Um, used to be. Or Oregon. Oregon He's from is, California. Yeah, I, and Oregon has has had a good run with recruiting, uh, with like Kayvon Thibodeau and and a bunch of other like five star guys they've been bringing in like year after year. Like they are pretty much probably going to be controlling the Pac-12 for the next couple of years because they've done a great job. And speaking of the Pac-12, you know who else has offered Tyler Buckner? Mm-hmm. The University of Southern California. 
USC. Okay, they they have a pretty good run with uh with top tier talent and and quarterbacks over the past couple decades, right? And USC's brought in some two talented quarterbacks in their class, no doubt. But look, we know who the goat is in this class. It's gonna be <laughs> it's Buckner, man. It's Buckner. He's we went into California. We beat out Pac-12 favorite Oregon. We beat out USC. We beat out Michigan. We beat out Alabama. Tyler Buckner's legit. He is legit. This class is legit. Steve, you know what else is legit? What's that? The Four Horsemen podcast's new artwork. Woo! For those of you who are either following us on Twitter or obviously listening to this podcast at this very moment, you'll notice that our little logo is different. So I want to give a big shout out to Michael Kloska, graphic designer. Um, he's done some good work. If anyone's interested in getting something done, I highly recommend reaching out to him. Um, big fan of the work he did. It's at Michael, K-L-O-S-K-A, Kloska. It's the way I'd pronounce it. Um, I like it, man. We've got the green of the retro ND jerseys that we love. We got the gold of that jersey with white trim. Four Horsemen podcast written in Notre Dame's font. That's the font the the university uses. And then four old-timey helmets to represent the arrow of the Four Horsemen. Are you thrilled with it or what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, uh, we, we talked about it. Uh, you know, extensively in, in our, our group chat. And as soon as you floated the idea, I was game. Um, you know, our, our old one was great. You did a good job with it, but uh, we are, we are building, we are growing very quickly episode after episode. And we just have more and more listeners. So thank you everyone so much. It means that you're retweeting us. It means you're interacting with us, liking our tweets, uh, you know, answering our questions, DMing us, and then more importantly, share it with your friends. If you, if everyone has someone they can talk Notre Dame college football with, it's just, we, we tend to find one another. So when we come up with an episode, you know, just send this over to them, whether it's Spotify or Apple. And if you can give us a five-star review, it helps us grow. And, and, and this, uh, this new artwork definitely helps legitimize us. So I think we are a professional run operation that does great research. Wink, wink, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm pretty thrilled with it. We're, we're also on the road to 1,000 Twitter followers, which is crazy because less than two years ago, we were at about 50. So this we're growing. Growth is real. Um, join us at Horseman Pod. Like Steve said, five-star review on Apple Music would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we, do, we do this for the fans. Um, before we go, um, new defensive backs slash passing game coordinator coach, Chris O'Leary has been um, promoted to that position that was vacated by Terry Joseph. Uh, he was a graduate assistant at Notre Dame. Uh, he coached safeties at Florida Tech and was a grad assistant at Georgia State. He played wide receiver at Indiana State. So not much that we can really talk about in terms of what he brings. Um, but given the fact that Kelly and, of course, defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman felt comfortable promoting him, I think that's a good sign. And we're going to see what he's made of. So, you know, welcome on board, Coach O'Leary. Um, and I know that's exciting for, for everyone here, recruits, fans, everything. So... Steve, do you have anything else you want to kind of hit on before we leave? I was going to make a clever 1993 reference. I still don't have it yet, but I have all summer to come up with it. So it does still feel like 1993. I will find a way to make it work. Other than that, go Irish. Also, I got to hold you back on this one. The Super Bowl is going to be on in about an hour and a half. Who are you taking? Uh, I have learned being a Steelers fan growing up in New England over the past 20 years, 
you never fucking ever bet against Tom Brady. Well, I'm going to bet against Tom Brady. Chiefs are going <laughs> to win this one. Um, our, obviously, this has been our first episode about a month. Offseason, we slow things down a bit. Our next one will probably be around the NFL draft, um, maybe combine. So that could be March, April. We might You might hear from us again. If anything happens, we might jump on. Um, but in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. And uh, it's been it's been a pleasure, Steve. I know this is your favorite topic. Yeah, for sure. Love recruiting. Love the Irish. And uh, and and go Irish. That's that's everything. Go Irish, baby. <laughs>